it's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this episode, the guys review Cryptid Urban Legend, Command and Colors Ancients, and Sheen Constant Zero Kai. Plus, a special taste bud segment featuring the limited maple syrup Pepsi. And maybe another segment, Marty gonna cook me some pancakes. Hello and welcome to Rolling Dice and Taking Names. This is episode 255, one-on-one. My name is Marty. And I'm Tony. You pitched this song from Hollow Notes as the name of the show, and you didn't realize how the lyrics actually fit with uh, kind of this uh, podcast, did you? Well, the title got it, so that was easy, but I was going all over the place, trying to figure out certain ones based on what we've played, trying to come up with some good names, trying to go more... 2022, 2021, maybe something along there, you know, trying to become, you know, get out of our era. Let's, let's, let's get into today. Let's not go back to where you and I were in the eighties and the nineties. Let's see if we can mm-hmm. do some recent sure. songs. But then I said, screw it. I'm just going to go with what I know. <laughs> so in the lyrics of that song and the chorus it says one-on-one, I want to play that game tonight. There you go. There you go. It fits even better. So one on one, I'll play that game night because Tony and I are going to be talking about a couple one versus one games that we got to play. One is a brand new one. One's a classic. And Tony, another one we're we'll talking about is a game that kind of came out of nowhere. I haven't even heard. That somewhat blew us away. I re- my brother in law commented on the post you did of me, and <laughs> and. Um, I was like, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I was staged. That was a stage grumpy. And he's like, no, that looked pretty actual. That looked factual. <laughs> well, it, it had nothing to do with the game that we played. It might have been how you finished in the game that we played. Wow. Yeah, that's one of those where you finish up and you're like, man, did I really miss this? And we'll talk about the teach later when we go over that game. The teach? How we went and taught it, what I started with versus how you would normally teach. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah I am. There's a lot of little things that, because I, I know there was a, during that game, I kept asking the same question over and over. But that's kind of what made the, uh, the the game unique there. Before we get too much further into the episode, I just want to thank everybody for the nomination for the Golden Geek Awards. You have a few days left from this when this episode drops in order to go out there. If you want to, you can vote for us. Now, uh, Tony, when I teased this, I said, hey, go nominate us, not for best podcast, but just podcast. Mm-hmm. That way people could feel honest about, you know, okay, they are a podcast, so I, th- I can give them my vote. And when I went out there to make sure we at least got one, mm-hmm. put us just one, even just one, I was like, holy cow, it takes forever. We should have put a like a, a number. How do you, how, when you do a file save and you want a file to appear at the very top of your directory mm-hmm. when you're looking for it, you put like what a one a tilde. Or a point a tilde. Yeah, we should have gone tilde rolling dice and taking names. <laughs> there are a lot of podcasts out there now, so the wow. fact that we got nominated is is really awesome. So uh, thank you all all so much. It really means a lot to us, and uh, whoever wins is going to deserve it. It's a it's a great group of people that are out there. And we're just thrilled to be a part of it. So we really appreciate all y'all's support over the years. It really means a lot. Vanessa and I just watched a a really good movie. Did you ever read Agatha Christie novels? No, I did not. But I am watching the Hallmark Mystery Channel with my wife on the weekends when we do our walk or do the elliptical and all. Mm -hmm. So I I have been watching a bunch of Hallmark mysteries, which actually are better than the Hallmark movie. I need to stop talking right now. (laughs) 
I don't think anybody's going to be upset if you say you're not crazy about Hallmark movies and the quality of the movies. Vanessa watches the Christmas movies every year, and we sit there and just make jokes about it, even though she enjoys mm -hmm. watching it because it gets her in the spirit. We admit the acting, the, oh my gosh, the sets are sometimes so bad on those things, but I guess they don't have a, a big budget. Yeah, th there's the one mystery that we're watching. I think it was uh, Mystery 101. Mm. Which mystery? Actually, this hey, this ties in pretty freaking good. There's this one series called Mystery 101, and it's about a English literature professor, and she's helping a detective solve crimes. Imagine mm -hmm. that. And they actually have some cool uh, twists. But one of the neatest things about this, which will actually take us back to what we're getting ready to talk about, is that in her literature office, she has actual. And Donna pointed this out. We're looking around her office at some of the statues. She has a lead pipe. She has a candlestick. Big, old, like antique stuff. A wrench. And she goes, wait a minute. I go, that is so, they got the clue ones. And it's not these little itty bitty ones. They're these huge models. I keep wanting to call, you call them models. But mm -hmm. I'm like, look at that. Props to them for doing that in this Hallmark movie where they've done the clue. So you've watched a movie, and I didn't want, I, I never read Agatha Christie, should I? I don't know. I never did either, but there's been a series of movies that's been coming out. Uh, recently, one came out, uh, Murder on the, was the Orient Express? Orient Express. Yeah, mm -hmm. based on Ag Agatha Christie uh, novel. One just came out, I believe it's on one of the streaming services, maybe HBO Max, Murder on the Nile, uh, which was a very recent one where Kenneth Branagh plays the famous Agatha Christie uh, detective, Hercule Peru, Perot. Perot. That's close enough for me. And uh, so he's basically trying to solve a, guess what, a murder mystery that happens on yeah, uh, the Nile. Uh, it's right there in the title. It kind of tells you everything that you need <laughs> There's to no know. spoilers here, is there? <laughs> Where's the murder going to take place? Is there going to be a murder? <laughs> yes, there will be. It will be maybe on the Orient Express. That's what happened last time. But now it's going to be on the Nile. And uh, we thought it, it was actually, we didn't think it that much of it in, in the end. We weren't that crazy about it. When I was, I did see Orient Express mm -hmm. and it didn't grab me either. And I don't know if it was the, I mean, that's why I need to go back and read the book. Maybe that will grab me. Spoiler alert, the movie, I don't remember enough about it to where I'm going to ruin the book for me until I'll probably get, oh yeah, you know? Well, it's so funny. After the movie was over, Vanessa and I both said the same thing. That's somewhat forgettable. I mean, mm -hmm. Vanessa actually figured out the murderer right as soon as this person was revealed. And it's like, well, wow. here's that, here's who's going to be. And here's why. And it was like, ding, she nailed it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, you know, at that point it was like when you, when it was that easy to figure out, but the acting was phenomenal. Gal Gadot was in it. She did a great job. And, you know, Kenneth Bronaugh is really great in the movie. But anyway, I bring that up because just this past week, you and I played a game uh, based on Agatha Christie novels called a methodology the Murder on the Links, published by Grey Wolf Games, and the designer is Justin Waggle. And Tony and this, as we find out, this is a deduction game. It's almost like a, a more ramped up version of Clue. The goal is, is there's a murder, there's a murder weapon, and it happened in a certain location, right? And you see how what my little story tied in about Mystery 101, the Clue? Yes. Thank you. Yeah, you're, you're welcome. welcome. Uh, no, I guess I'm thanking you. Thank you. And yeah, mm -hmm. I'm the one that's well. Okay, anyway. But what's, what's different is instead of there being one murderer, one location, one weapon, each of us will have a person and weapon and location that the others are trying to 
determine who, who it is. There's a whole bunch of cards. There's uh, each of you given three cards for locations, three cards for a person, three cards for a weapon. And that's going to be your set of cards that you're going to play through the course of the game. And you play through an investigation accusation phase. And in an investigation phase with four players, everybody's going to put down two cards face down. You're going to turn up those cards. And those cards have different values on them. One of them is victory points. You're all trying to make sure at the very end of the game, you're holding cards in your hand that worth a lot of victory points. That's no mystery. That is no right. mystery. It's a board game. Therefore, you need victory points to win. That I think Vanessa could have even figured that one out. Or I could have figured. Vanessa would have been all over this. When you started opening your mouth, when she, you said, this is a board game, Vanessa would have come in and said, I bet you need victory points to win. And you would have been 100% correct. And also on there is like a ranking of uh, who's going to resolve their, their card first. So we all flip our cards up. Each card has a certain type to it. So for example, for people, there's one just called neighbors. There's three or four cards that are considered neighbors. So if I turn over a card that says neighbors, everybody else has to raise their hand. If in their hand of cards right now, there's a card that's in the neighbors category. And if they do, I say like, Tony, uh, who is the person that you have? And you can see out on the board, there's all the different people, locations and objects that are in play. And you could say, I'm, I'm Bob. I could either say, I think you're lying because I've kind of deduced that you're not Bob and I'm going to call you on it. And if you were lying, then you have to take that card in, that I discovered and you have to discard it at, out of your hand. And now we know, okay, well, Bob's definitely not the murderer. We got Tony to get rid of it. But if you were telling the truth, then I have to discard one of my cards. And then at the end of the round, after you do that, you're going to draw cards back into your hand. So what's going to happen is you're going to draw through all the decks of the locations, people, objects, and you keep playing until everybody is down to like three cards or less in your hand. And then you start making deductions where uh, there's going to be a bunch of cards that's been put down on the board to indicate, okay, these people are no longer in play now with what's left of the people that are left and objects and locations. Can I figure out what Tony has in his hand by what he said earlier? Can I figure out what Bert has in his hand? And you have these tokens that you'll make accusations. Everybody reveals the three cards. And if you got a correct accusation, you're going to get a point. But if you can make your set go all the way through without being deduced, then you'll add up the points of your cards, plus how many points you got from deducing others and the person with the most points wins. So it's a very simple deduction game that probably plays, I don't know, about 30 minutes. For me, it, it wasn't simple because... I think there was, I needed a little bit more attention to this, but you left out one of the key things. Mm. You get to use the word jacuz, a jacuzu. It's true. So, Which is written right in the rules. You're supposed to say jacuz, and then they have to reveal whether they were lying or telling the truth on that. The thing that got me is with four players, there's a lot to try to track. Yeah, after multiple rounds, it's like, wait a minute. Was Tony the one that got rid of that card or was it Mark that got rid of that card? Also, you're trying to make sets too. So some of the cards, if they go together, like if an object goes with a certain person, it gives you bonus points. So you're also trying to keep cards that go together and at the very end, they get you the most points. So knowing that you might be able to do, well, I know Tony has that person. Now, if he happens to have that location or that object, he'll get bonus points. So I'm going to guess that he also kept those. And there's the game. Yep. That was the game to me is, is trying to manage which cards to put in play to remove from my hand while keeping the ones that I want to have as a set secret and also having a protected card so that y'all could not figure it out, which unfortunately 
for me, near the end, my object I could not protect, and y'all were able to easily deduce that what it was. Plus, I had to show it, I think, whatever, during one of the phases or something. I was like, yeah, here it is. You're right. And, um, but so with that, that to me was the game that I was trying to figure out how can I mislead y'all on what cards I have. Meanwhile, trying to figure out who you had and guessing at the very end, okay, is Marty going to try to trick me? Yep. Is he, is he going to put down the card that we all know he has and he's going to try to outthink us and keep that one in his hand. And we all figured out you were going to try to outthink us. And therefore we guessed your card. This game plays three to six players. I think tracking six people will be tough. But I think you would go through the cards quicker. I think you would have it qu- easier to figure out who's. I mean, because one of the things we one of the things we ran into is: does anybody have uh, the character from the neighborhood? And nobody raised their hands. Well, crap! That means we know Mark has that neighborhood card, and everybody else doesn't. So that makes it easiest for us to track. It also could be that it's still in the deck because mm-hmm. it may not have been drawn yet either. True. So that's part of the things that you got to keep in mind as you play through the game. If you like deduction games, you might want to give this a shot. Again, it's very lightweight. It's short, 30 to 45 minutes, maybe. Uh, the art's really nice. Uh, the card quality is really good. It's just one of those things that you probably need to play multiple times in order to try to best figure out how to make accusations against others and to be able to kind of track it in your head on what's been played so far or what may be in people's hands left at the end of the game. The font wasn't the best because we were sitting there. Instead of saying the neighborhood, we were going, you got pink cards? <laughs> <laughs> well, it was also easier to see because because on the board, again, you see uh, what all the cards look like. Because uh, when you discard it, you put it down on the space that covers the uh, that matches the cards that you just played. So it was easy to just kind of call out, uh, do you have any one of these pink cards right here or these brown yeah. cards right here? And you kind of went from there. Beautiful boards. You're right. Yep. Beautiful art. Big boards. Good God, it took up a table. Uh, it did take, it's, it's a big table hog because you've got these three boards uh, spread out. But again, it's very easy to learn. It's one of those you probably need to go through a couple times. Again, the goal is kind of like Clue, right? You're trying to determine at the very end of the game, everybody's person, location, object, and if you can get through without anybody deducing what you have, well, you're going to get a lot of points at the end of the game. So we had a long 30-minute dissertation on Return of the Dark Tower. In the last episode? Yep. Yeah, sure did. We did. It was good. We did. I enjoyed it. Dark Tower's right. really good. If you can get it, go get it. I see people wanting to trade multiple games to get Return to the Dark Tower. One of the things that you posted and pointed out to me is someone made a comment about my diatribe on apps. Uh-huh. And and how we've talked about that and how it's going to be free source if restoration games and all like that. Well, actually, no, we didn't talk about that was what the problem was when we recorded that. Ah, We did not know at the time it had been announced uh, that I just didn't see it, that restoration games said, look, if we ever stop supporting this code, it becomes open source. And actually, uh, Jeff Engelstein's company is keep it in escrow. So let's say just something happens to restoration games. They're all on a plane. You know, the the classic thing, plane goes down. Uh, uh, Somebody has that code in hand and can release it uh, for people to be able to support, update, et cetera. So that code will exist for a very long time. So I think, Tony, one of the discussions that we had was, should I be worried if I go buy this game and 10 years from now, I can't play it, right? Exactly. And on my side, I'm just like, you know, that is something I have to consider. For all the games, for sure. all the app-driven games that I have. But Restoration Games has eliminated that reason for not getting it. 
Have they? To me, they have. Yes. Okay. If it's open source, then anybody can update it to run on whatever type of device they want to at that point. Whatever exists 10 years from now. Right. If you have the programming skills. Can I count on you, sir? If I buy this game, I expect you to update it for me. There are thousands and thousands of people that have programming skills that can easily do this. Not me. But I, I trust you. I may not trust them. Oh, they may be putting Lord. a wall. Somebody put this on a GitHub somewhere. Somebody grab the code, update it. And if you're a developer, you know what a GitHub is. So they know what I'm talking about. It's it's a code repository uh, that a lot of people use for storing source code. And a lot of open source code is stored on Git. G-I-T. As in get on out of here? Yeah, get on out of here. So uh. anyway, we apologize for misleading people to, man, I don't know if I really want that game because I don't know if it's going to be supported. Restoration Games has thought about that. That code is being held in escrow somewhere else in case there's something that happens to them. And if for some reason they don't ever support the game, uh, it'll go to open source. However, I think they got a lot of plans for this game. I don't think iOS, Android is going to go away anytime soon. The app that you have now will probably run for many, many years. See, this is, this is what I love about because I have these technology discussions with my mom and then she makes me start questioning this stuff. There's your first problem is having technology discussions with your parents. She's asking me questions, man. She's asking me these questions like, how do I know? Case in point. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this has nothing to do with board games, and y'all should get used to this from us. Case in point, her phone, she had to get a new phone because 3G is no longer supported. Oh. And now her phone's changed. Well, heaven forbid. Well, mom, you've had your phone for six years. Well, why can't I have it for 10? Well, that's a good question, mom. I- it is a great question. Yep. I didn't realize 3G wasn't even supported anymore. Well, they Samsung sent her a note, or no, Verizon sent her a note and said, well, you can still get calls, but you're not going to be able to support, I guess, the date. I don't know. I said, Mom, we just need to get you a new phone anyway, because, well, what what do you do with it? My wife, I'll let it keep it here, because, you know, if I unplug it, the battery's going to go dead. Yeah, exactly, Mom. <laughs> the battery's going to go dead because your battery's running out. Well, I, okay, fine. So... That's one of those things, the, the, the technology, you know, my, uh, my old iPad, it doesn't update anymore. None of the apps run on it. You know, this stuff, just, it just floods so much technology. Can we go back to simpler days? Oh, I'd love it. I'd mm-hmm. love to go back to simple DOS. I, I can handle that. I can handle that. I can handle loading games uh, using discs or, ooh, CD-ROMs. Well, there you go. The big spin, 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 spin. I, I mean, think about it. I mean, even when you got a PlayStation 5 right now, I mean... Oh, look, you got to log on the internet so you can download the update. And I don't want to download the update. Well, if you want to play this game, you've got to download the update. So you better be That's on right. the internet. <laughs> better be on the internet. So my, my plans, my exit strategy of going to an island, uh-huh. they better have the internet. And they That's better right. Not be on a, <laughs> or you better, better take some board games. I mean, I saw somebody was selling a washing machine, which had a just a normal dial, you know, that you would turn. Mm-hmm. Which I have. Keep it. Don't ever get rid of it. Oh, no. But no, here's the th- Go ahead and finish your story, and I'll tell you my story. Well, the point is, like, I forget which country. One country right now is subsidizing people to be able to fix washing machines and electronics and printers because it's basically a throwaway. And the guy was like, you know, all these computer parts and things like that. He goes, I love when I just get the dial washing machine. It doesn't break other than the dial. I'm like, oh, that is so true. I'm being a grumpy old man. No, no, I will say that's what was told to us years ago. So years ago, uh, when our washing machine dryer, one of them went out that we'd had for 10 years, uh, you know, we had the service guy out there. He said, yeah, he said, you're just going to have to get a new one. 
said, you got any recommendations? He said, yeah, my only recommendation is this. Do not buy anything with the electronics package. Mm-hmm. And we said, why? He said, because if I come out here to work in your electronics package, I'll guarantee you the electronics will cost you just about as much as a new dryer. And he said, they're a pain to deal with. He said, what should we do? He said, they still make dryers with dials and everything and washers with dials. Get that. So ever since then, we have never bought anything with an electronic interface, with a membrane switch. We try to get dials as best as we can. If we ever have to have a service, you are 100% right. Oh, that's a simple timer. I can easily change that. Oh, that's a mm-hmm. simple switch. I can easily change that for dirt cheap. So no, I don't have all the fancy buzzers and whistles and, and stuff on, on our washers and dryers. They don't do all this fancy stuff. But you know what? It washes clothes and it dries clothes. It was a lot cheaper. And if it goes out, I'll just go buy another one for the same price. There you go. And my aunt has a refrigerator that is in her basement. And it is the classic, you will die if you get caught in it, mm-hmm. refrigerator yep. that you see on Andy Griffith. It's still running. My uncle had to replace, I think he's had to replace the compressor one time. And now I was watching a show and that style is back. With the latch door? I'm surprised it's even legal. I don't know. The, the style of it, maybe not the, the uh, latch door. Okay, got it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, not the but she she does she has the latch door and I'm yeah. like you can die in there. And you so seen cool. you seen the fridges with the big like touch screens on them and oh, stuff. No, that yeah. interface oh. was the Amazon. I was like, no way I'd buy that because that'd be the first thing that goes out. It freeze. Yeah, can I keep stuff cold and freeze water? I just need my refrigerator to do those two things. And if there's too many electronics in there, something's going to be leaking, and my floors are going to get oh. Keep it simple, people. That's where we're at. A bunch of old men complaining about technology. I have become my parents. Back in my day. Oh, that's hilarious. That's that's just common sense, everybody. Common sense. The simpler it is, the cheaper it's going to be, the easier it's going to be to, uh, to fix. Better news? Yes. And not this coming recording or the one after, but I will have done my uh, checkup. So I will be, we'll have stories about my adventures in a colonoscopy. I know I just want, I just want to go ahead and share that now so people can make sure that they hear that release when it comes out. Cause I know they'll be on pins and needles. Talking well, about I, it. I'm doing it this summer. So you could just take notes and we could save and do a whole segment together if you want. Okay. We can do there that. There we go. Everybody said, please let us know what episode that's going to be. So I will not download and listen to your stories. <laughs> oh, uh-huh. but hey, how about this? Maybe that doesn't sound that, that, uh, that great to listen to. But what about this? We haven't done a taste bud segment in a while, Tony. And we got one that I'm excited to share. But before we get over there, you know, have to, we have to play our little intro. But, but we have a new intro, Tony, because... You were complaining about the fact that you didn't like mine. And, you know, I spent tens of seconds on that thing, putting that together. And in the previous taste buds segment, you said, let me do it. We should do like singing and I'll I'll say stuff like this. And in fact, here's what you sang and said in that episode. Two incredible studs. They're just a bunch of taste buds. So one of our listeners named Grishni from our Discord channel took those bits and then took some music, put it together, did a little post-production stuff, and has created what we will now use as our Taste Buds little intro, little jingle. Now, this clip is long. It's like a minute, 30 seconds. I'm going to play it for the whole time this one time, but I'll cut it down to something a lot shorter for future episodes. But I just want you all to hear this because it gets stuck in your head, Tony. When you create something... It's a little hook that gets stuck in your head. 
That's a good little tune. And I think Grishni has done that. So here it is, our brand new jingle for our Taste Buds segment. Amazing job on that song. Number one is very catchy. Two incredible studs. And this just, it just kind of stays in there. If only the person singing had any talent. Well, here's the thing. And I got to give him credit for this. He had to pitch correct you. I think he pitch corrected you to try to get in the same key of the song that he picked. And uh, I added a little reverb and stuff. So it was a fantastic job. This is what I get for mentioning something. I Taste buds. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> it's funny. The first time I heard it, I didn't even realize it was you. I didn't either. I couldn't really hear me. And then yeah, I went, oh. until they came, I said, wait a minute. And uh, so, yeah. And I obviously before the song here, you heard what the original thing was and, and the song as a result. So, yes, from now on, uh, y'all will be hearing that uh, intro to our taste buds. Wow. wow. Just mm, okay. Well, I've, well, I've got we got one tonight, as we've already said. Are we are we ready? I, I don't. Am I ready? Yeah. This? But we haven't even said what this one is. So a few weeks ago, uh, we had the chance to enter or we entered a contest. Uh, online with Pepsi, just like we did last year, where we had the Peeps. Uh, we, we sent in a picture, and we were picked to get the Peeps-flavored Pepsi. Mm-hmm. So this year, they were doing the same thing in conjunction with IHOP. They were doing a maple syrup-flavored Pepsi. So I uh, sent, I took a picture of me trying to pour uh, some maple syrup and Pepsi into a can with a stack of pancakes, and just the caption said, there's got to be an easier way. Posted it, we won. <laughs> Pepsi <laughs> contacted us and said, uh, congratulations, uh, you are the winners of the limited uh, maple syrup Pepsi. Yes, and I love the video you did, and I think you put it on uh, Twitter and Instagram where you were opening uh-huh. the box, and you had this huge box. I was like, oh, man, maybe you got a Pepsi hat. Maybe he had some other stuff, but you got stuffing and two cans. That's okay. Where's Pepsi choosers or baggers or whatever? Packaging. It was what, like a a a twelve or twelve by twelve by twelve or fourteen by fourteen size box that holds two cans and a lot of packing material. Mm -hmm. Anyway, anyway. So, so, mm. do do you have any guesses? I assume this is going to be super sweet. I, 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 we're ready to pucker. This is oh yeah. I mean, keep in mind this is 150 calories for everybody counting at home. I will no not fact. be drinking the whole thing. I have to save some for Vanessa. 
uh, Donna's going to get uh, my leftover here. And she's like, do I have to? And I said, you don't have to, but you're going to. Because mm. the last, I mean, you know, this Mountain Dew um, Spark, she she had her reservations about that. And now she, I think she drinks more than me. But she's a Spark fan more so than Major Melon? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so, and I've still got some Jolly Rancher out there with thrashed apple. So love our, we love our flavors and uh, future. So y'all get to hear the song again. I, I picked up the uh, Flaming Hot Mountain Dew today for us. So next episode, we'll do the Flaming Hot Mountain Dew. Where'd you find that, by the way? Uh, it was at our local grocery store, our food line. I was, I was getting ready to leave and I said, hey, I wonder if they have it in the case at the register. Mm. Well, it was so cool. One of the listener, one of our listeners contacted me on BGG and sent me a, a, a private mail saying, hey, have you seen this? And I had not. And he said, well, go look for it. And he said, if not, I will send you guys two cans. So uh, we found it. So uh, thank you to him for turning it on to us. And thank you to him also for offering to even mail that to us. But we got it. And uh, we'll be trying that next episode. But now, Tony, what we have before us is the IHOP and Pepsi-sponsored maple syrup Pepsi. Are you ready to pop the can? Yes, let's do this. Woo! A little spit up there. Well, I just kind of smell Pepsi at this point. I do, too. That's about all I got here. I got. Yeah, I, I don't smell maple syrup. I don't smell maple syrup here. You're, okay. you, you ready? Yeah, let's do this. All right, here we go. All right, I know what Mila tastes like to me. It tastes like maple syrup to me. First, I thought, oh, this is vanilla Pepsi. But after that first swig is gone, that's maple syrup. That's maple syrup, baby. Oh, they that's that. weird. <laughs> that is weird. That nail has been hit on the head. Mm. That, it, Ooh, it, when that it is first, wild. When you first taste it, it's like, this is just vanilla Pepsi. But after it goes down, the aftertaste is 100% maple syrup. Now, if you remember Starlight Coke, when we did that one, that was pure vanilla. Yeah. It's it's, it's not sweet. bad. It's very It's not sweet. bad. It's not bad at all. It's different. But you and I are so used to diet zero sugar that anything with real sugar in it just tastes overly sweet right mm -hmm. now. But you definitely taste that maple syrup on the back. Yeah. It's a shame that not everybody can try this. I don't know why they, it seems like what they would do is just like, you know, some people get them early, but they eventually do like a limited rollout, yeah. but they never did that with the peeps either. I don't know how well this would sell. It's, it's probably more of a gimmick. Well, I don't know. Gingerbread Mountain Dew was out there and it was horrible. Oh, absolutely horrible. I don't know. I mean, I cannot see myself doing this like I would a Pepsi Mango or the uh, Pepsi Cherry or anything like that. So... And I, and I love the zero zero Pepsi mango. That's all oh, that is so good. But I guess it's all the fruit flavors. I'm, I'm thinking about them. You know, I'm like you. I'm more of a fan of fruit flavors than I am like this. Mm -hmm. But I appreciate Pepsi sending us this, picking us. I hope we continue the streak next year. Who knows what that <laughs> flavor is going to be? <laughs> I got to continue to be creative to post pictures to Instagram and Twitter so that they'll pick us. That's pretty cool, though. Two years in a row. Yeah. Last year, peep flavor Pepsi. This year, uh, maple syrup Pepsi. I mean, you got you to gotta love the graphics on this mm -hmm. can. Obviously, it's a podcast. You can't see that, but it looks like there's a syrup running down the sides of the yeah, can. It's coming out of the top of the can, and, and it's oozing out of the can. So, very interesting. So, what I will say, I, I like this better than the uh, peeps one. Yes. I think that one is out of my memory completely mm. gone. So, yeah, but it, but if you'll notice, I see you, you keep drinking it. You keep sampling it. So it keeps I, I drawing do. you back. 
I do. I need to stop. Mm. <laughs> That's interesting. I get that. Not bad. Not bad. So, y'all, that is maple syrup Pepsi provided by uh, Pepsi through a special contest. And I must say, Tony, you, you got me excited about our next uh, taste test. What's it called again? Fiery Flaming Hot? Oh, I think it's Flaming Hot Mountain Dews. But and it's not, and it's not zero. I know. Well, and you got a big old sixteen ounce bottle. You're gonna have to chug. <laughs> I'm really curious to see if it's hot. I tell you, I tell you what. I still got those jelly beans we tried. I still have those. I give yeah. you, I give you that, and you can put that with that flaming hot Mountain Dew. See how, see what kind of people we are. No, mm. yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure. I need that. So, uh, once again, thanks to Pepsi. Thanks to Grishy for providing that uh, tune for us. Taste buds, two incredible studs. Mm, taste, taste buds. buds. <laughs> <laughs> so you know those games that uh, we talked about on the show. Did you know they're available at Miniature Market? You know that game train game that we really liked, Shinkansen? It is only $24 on Miniature Market. That is a lot of game in that box, y'all. They carry the whole line of GMT games, assuming that they're in print for really good deals. Y'all, Miniature Market has some of the best deals online. And guess what, Tony? They're actually now on TikTok. Does that mean we have to get on TikTok also? You told me we have an account, so I'm waiting for you to get over there. You tell me the password. I'll TikTok it. <laughs> I'll show a picture so, of a clock. So RDTN may be TikToking, but we know Miniature Market's TikToking over at Miniature underscore Market. So make sure to follow them there. Get on their newsletter so that you can find out when their deals are coming out. You spend money there. You get points there that you can use. You get cheap shipping, free shipping over $100 of pre-orders. You can have stuff on hold. Uh, so many benefits from shopping at Miniature Market. To find out more, head over to miniaturemarket.com. Five minute initiative begins in three, two, one. We're going to talk about a little two player game from Osprey Games called Cryptid Urban Legends by Ruth Ververs, V E E V E R S, and Hal Duncan. And this is a game about playing cards, pushing cubes, and hopefully winning by either being the cryptid and escaping the city or being the scientist and capturing your creation. That's it, Marty. That's the game. That's it. So let me just say one big thing that I was very yeah. confused at when I first heard about this. This is from Osprey Games, who also released the very popular game cryptid which was a deduction game where all of you were trying to track down where the cryptid is but each of you have a limited amount of information of things that you can do on your turn so it's very much a deduction game this is not a deduction game at all it's a two-player abstract game it just happens in the same universe as cryptid but not a deduction the hardest part of this game and this is what we wanted to concentrate Ooh. on is at the end of the playing the card phase, when all the cubes have moved into the next action row, the cryptid must declare either a combination of colors or a total number. And we were getting all ourselves confused around there, watched videos, and what finally came to us is that when you declare colors, it's the colors around an entire, on all sides of the card or the sum of the numbers. 
And that was just blowing our minds at the beginning. We could, we were like losing this game constantly over. Something's wrong here, Marty. We felt like we had broke the game uh, because mm-hmm. we just totally misunderstood the rule. And I saw some other people online who has this game who was also kind of misunderstanding the rule too. You, you have these cards that represent blocks in the city and you start with a row of three cards on one row and then a, two cards on the other. And so when you move cubes, they're going between these cards or these, what they call blocks. There's three different colors of cubes, clear, pink, or red, and then black. And you play a card from your hand that will shift cubes. It may be take all these cubes and split them. Some need to go one direction on one side of a block. Some need to go another or a line. Push all cubes of one color, one direction down to the next row. And the other one is shuffle. Shuffle. Where you think of the rook. Yeah, where you get to skip over one block and then go down. So each of you are playing cards back and forth, pulling those cubes into the next row. Again, the goal of the scientist is to make sure that you as the cryptid can't call a number or a color combination to where you can be potentially at two blocks. Because if there's two locations, let's say you call all three colors and there's one card that has all three colors on one side, one card that has all three colors on the other. That means both of those qualify. So you put these little markers on there showing the cryptic could be either here or here. If I can get you to the situation where the cryptic can only be on one card, scientist wins the game. Yep. And the cryptid wins if he gets on the outer edges. You don't know which way he's going next. At yeah, the end he's of the escaped city. the city at that he's point. Escaped the city. That's right. As I've played this game, and I have, I have played this game a lot. I played it with Donna and this whole point of colors and numbers she wasn't getting. But as we went through it, she said, okay, I understand what you're doing. And she was being the scientist. Mm -hmm. And I thought she had me until the very end. And all of a sudden I was able to get the numbers two on both ends. And I was able to escape the city. And if she had just played one different card, it was, she had in her hand, she would have gotten me. And I was like, uh, cause she would have won. Cause even if, the scientist doesn't capture you to one, one particular card. If you run out of city cards, whoever has the most evidence is the winner. Yeah. And these evidence are tokens that come out. They're cards mm-hmm. that have little markers on them. You put evidence tokens on them. If you can get your cryptid marker there, the person who's playing the cryptid gets that evidence token. Or uh, at the very end of a round, the scientist gets to remove two cards off the end of a row. And if it so happens to have one of those evidence tokens, you get to have uh, those two. So that's kind of the tiebreaker at the end. For me, this is a very quick, easy game to set up. Tough game to explain, but once two people know, you can definitely get this game out. Like, well, while we're waiting on people for game night, it's one of those that I will put in the bag just to have. I think it's one that Donna, Donna likes these types of games. So I think she and I will play it periodically. It's, it's just fast. It is fast. We've probably played Tony 15 to 20 times. I mean, it's really that fast. I mean, the other night we were waiting on uh, a bird to get there and we said, set it up. I mean, three minutes later, we finished the game. I'll Mm -hmm. set it up again. It takes no time to set. This is a really clever two player asymmetric game. It threw us with the conditions on calling the colors and the numbers. So make sure you understand how exactly that works. And also a reminder, this is not a deduction game like the original Cryptid is. This is something totally different. So that is Cryptid. Let's get the whole thing. Urban Legends from Osprey Games. Five minute initiative is complete.
As Tony and I continue our journey into historical games, for example, I got Tony finally to play a coin game, Cuba Libra. Uh, there are some other GMT games that we are just excited to play. And Tony, you've actually, you and I have actually bought some we hadn't even played yet. Uh, I know one of them is uh, it's a two-player game, card game. Is it Caesar, Rome versus Gaul? Yes. Yep, yeah, yep, yep, we yep, chat yep. that. That was a longer game that we need to sit down and learn how to play, but a shorter game that that is very popular is the Command and Colors series. This game, Tony, has actually been out of stock. There's different versions of this. There's Medieval, there's Ancients. Well, finally, GMT got a re-release of Command and Colors Ancients, so I got a copy and we sat down and played. And Tony, have you ever played Memoir 44? No. This is pretty much Memoir 44. It works the exact same way. You've got a board, you've got units on the board, but you play through playing cards. And the cards will tell you what zone of the board that you can uh, command your units that turn. There's the left side, the center, and the right. And the card will say, hey, the center or the uh, center and the right, you can activate this many units. Uh, your units can move and then they can attack. The cards may have special abilities. But in the end, Tony, this is all about setting up a scenario for whatever type of game. You're, we're going to go back and talk about Command and Colors now. Uh, basically, you're setting up the scenario of it was the Carthagians. Is it Carthagians, maybe? I'm not sure I pronounce that. The people from Carthus uh, versus Romans. So those were the okay. two, two sides that you were playing. You had all these different units, Tony, right? You had uh, foot soldiers. You had archers. You had cavalry. Uh, one side had chariots. You had elephants. All of them have different capabilities, but on your turn, you play a card, you activate units, you move them into position, you can attack. There's different stats that the units have, and basically you're just trying to overtake your enemy, or and depending on what scenario it is, there's some goal that you're going to have for your team to be, or your side to be able to win. You are the general, and you have to command these troops and make them decimate the opponent. Don't forget there's leaders, but you got some famous generals out there. Mm -hmm. And the best part of this game for me was dice. We're rolling some dice, baby. We're putting some dice on the battlefield. What'd you think of the combat system? The dice combat system? I liked it. It was straightforward. It was easy to understand. There was a chart for me to follow. You put a chart in front of me. Yeah. I can make heads or tails of that or six sides of the dice, whatever. I can do that. What I, what I really enjoyed about this was just how simple. We talked about simple rules. This was it. For me, it was, okay, you need to, um, like you said, play a card and move your forces, and then this is how you attack. It didn't take me long to really understand and get this game going. Luck of the dice can mess you up. I'll agree, because it messed you up. But if you've got the right strategy, you can outweigh those odds. That's how you beat the dice um, randomness. And I think that's why this game has really stood the test of time because it's positioning your units in favorable positions on the battlefield in order to take advantage of one type of unit versus another. For example, uh, if you get your cavalry uh, up on my archers, I'm a dead man. I got to make sure my archers stay away, right? But maybe mm -hmm. I want to have maybe I want to have uh, some elephants up in there. You're gonna get by the elephants that easily. And so all these units have different stats. And like you said, there is a table. And once you understand how to read the table, the number of dice you roll is going to be uh, easy. If like if uh, if you didn't move, your archers roll two dice. If they did move, you roll one. And the uh, dice have colors on them. Uh, 
to where if the color that you rolled matches the unit that they're attacking, they're, you're going to deal one damage. And units are made by stacking numbers of units together on a tile. And when you take a damage, you just remove one of those tiles. If ever all those tiles are removed, you've taken out that entire unit. The dice may have a flag on it, which causes you to retreat, to move away. However, Tony, there are some units that can negate a flag, or you mentioned leaders. If you have a leader in that unit or nearby, it negates the retreat. The leader's going, no, 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 no. We can still win this battle, y'all. We've got the morale. Hang in there and fight. Because, and I like this part, Tony, is the counterattack. If you don't wipe me out, I get to attack back. So that's something you got to consider when you walk in there. If I don't have to retreat and I can stay alive, I get to hit back. All part of a battle, man. You go in there, you don't wipe them out. They're going, what are they going to do? Just stand there with their bows and arrows uncocked and not shoot at you? No, they're going to go that. Well, if they're uncocked, they will not shoot at me. If they're cocked, they will. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You're going to just stand there. You're going to go in and attack and what are you going to do? Not, not shoot back? You're going to shoot back. You're going to have the slings and the arrows come at you. Uh, you know, I've heard about commands and colors and I'm like, okay, what is all this? Oh, look, it's blocks on the map. You know, is this something that I'm going to enjoy? But I think I've played enough of these card type games that I knew I would. Mm -hmm. That I knew that the strategy laid in the cards, laid in the formations, laid in how can I force you to do something that I need you to do based on a card I have. Do I have a trap card in my hand? Do I have my guys all laying in wait? Can I sucker you in and bring in my forces around you? Those that enjoy playing this game, we, we want to be that smart general. We want to be the leader on the battlefield showing just how good we would have been had we been back in that time. I don't want to be back in this in that time. I like my indoor plumbing. <laughs> I don't need to do that. I like being able to do the blocks. Well, thanks that. to the Romans, you got indoor plumbing. Exactly. I do, don't I? Mm -hmm. That's right. They, they, and aqueducts, they, they did it all. What have the Romans ever done for us? Uh, aqueducts? Okay, I'll give him the aqueducts. Sorry. Life of Brian. Um, <laughs> Monty Python. Uh, Monty Python. What, uh, what I love about this game, like, like you said, is the simplicity of the rules. Play a card, activate, draw a card, turn over. Where's the depth in the game? It's understanding your units. It's understanding how you move units around. It's, it's looking at the battlefield and tactically making decisions based on what your opponent does. That's what makes any good war game. And what's nice is there are a lot of war games, Tony, you know, they have a lot very complicated rules of, man, I have all these things that I, I could do on my turn and I have to resolve all these different things to make things happen. Not so with this game. It's literally, do I understand what this unit does? I think this unit will be effective against Tony's unit right here. I'm going to try to get into position, do some attacks. I've buffed myself up with leaders to try to make my attacks successful. I'm going to try to achieve the goal of whatever scenario that we're playing. And I appreciate that too, Tony. There's terrain tiles that you can put on the board where you set up the map. There's rivers you can set up. There's mountains that make uh, travel harder. All that has to be taken in consideration uh, when you play the game. And every time you play, it can be different based on the scenario that you play. And there's an ancient version. There is a medieval version. There's Napoleon. Yep. Is there a Civil War version? Uh, of long those, I believe there is a civil war one, the, uh, what was it? Cause I looked it up cause I asked you about it, enjoyed it so much that I immediately went out and said, okay, what other ones are out there that I want, that I would be interested in? 
I started going down that road and, and I would like to try the Napoleonic one during that time. Cause that a lot of people have said that's the best of the series. Napoleonic is, I've heard it was a more, and y'all could be wrong. Uh, you history game experts, let us know on our discord channel. If you haven't joined, come and let us know or let us know somehow. I've heard it was more of the more complicated ones as far as the types of units. Uh, you that, know, yes. More complicated. There's also samurai battles. That's the other one I was trying to think of. It doesn't look like there's a civil war or at least there's not from GMT. There's not a civil war one. Uh, no, there, it's not from GMT. Okay. All right. It is not from GMT. But this is by Richard Borg. He made some uh, an amazing war games and it was mm-hmm. the one that's responsible for agents. Ancients. I loved it. <laughs> there's one thing I didn't like though, Tony. So all these nice little wooden blocks that you move around the board, you have to put stickers on them. There are a lot of blocks in this game. I posted a picture of us playing and everybody's like, wait a minute, why are you stacking blocks one on top of each other? They're supposed to be where (laughs) Tony sees one side of the block and I see the other. And I said, that's because I was too lazy to sticker both sides because it took me over 45 minutes just to sticker one side of all those blocks. But I will go back and sticker the other side and play it or you know, put the, the blocks in the space, the hex space, as they're supposed to be. I, I didn't mind what you did. You know, I had no problem with you doing it that way. It was easy for me. I could see what, I, why I spread them out. You'd be, we'd, my sausage fingers would be knocking them down everywhere. <laughs> you know? I, I also love the simplicity. You take a damage, just remove a cube or a block. Mm-hmm. And that, that, is your, that is your life right there. Hey, I got four going in. I've only got two left. You know, I love the idea of you can move, uh, you can have attach units. You can uh, mm-hmm. attach groups together so that they move together. Uh, you can bring in leaders and attach them to groups so they, they can move together. A lot of really clever rules built within the system. But again, the system is so basic. So I didn't realize it was exactly like Memoir 44. Memoir 44 is pretty much, except it's using little plastic models instead uh, to mm-hmm. simulate World War II battles. It's the exact same system, pretty much. Play a card, draw a card. Yeah. Uh, the one I'm thinking about is the American Revolution. The uh, commanding colors, mm. tri- tricorn. Oh, okay. And, uh, that, that one. But then, so continuing down that, I was like, okay, well, let's continue looking into this, uh, what Richard did, all of his, you know, everything's based on the commanding colors, the designer, and from uh, PSC Games, Red Alert Space Fleet Warfare, which is, they, it's out of stock everywhere. Mm-hmm. That one is, you know, battling in space using this. I'm like, oh man, I need this. So I reached out to them uh-huh. to find out. And they said, oh, sorry, but maybe later we might be able to, to get a reprint on this. But right now we're real busy. <laughs> we, got that, we got that Kickstarter that uh, we just finished up. Um, a total War? Total War War on? To, to, yeah. And I was like, oh, really? Well, I tell you what. T- Tony wants this, so why don't y'all move that to the top? And they said, ah, we appreciate your interest, but maybe later. I, I, I do want it, though. I do want to try it. This is one of those things I wish I had known I would enjoy as much as I, I had, because then it, you would back it, the, the system, what it's based on, and you know space battles. Oh, that is so cool. But I do. I want to play something else. I want to play it harder. Play it harder. Har- ones. Play it harder. Play harder ones. Play harder one. I, I think I still need to spend some more time with agents to really make sure I understand true battle techniques with easier units I can understand before I jump into hearts. Don't get me wrong. 
If you go out and buy the Napoleonic version, I'll sit down and play that with you anytime. You know what? It's fast too, right? An hour. Mm-hmm. It well, is. Well, a you quick were rolling. Game. It's thirty minutes. Yeah, it, that's true. But that's still my <laughs> my fault for basically running into a meat grinder with my most squishy guys and and really not thinking that through. Well, you're pushing levers, and then you always hear about you know you never have uh, what was the uh, expression you oh from um, the Princess Bride you know you don't have uh, two front land war or something I forget what that quote is. And so you you gotta gotta flank them gotta come in on their flank and take them out watch any any mel gibson movie you're gonna see him get flanked so you gotta you gotta look, how am i going to do that because they even have cards that do love the game i do i won't play it again i'll play it even with it uh not stickered on both sides i need to do it also it's easier to sort <laughs> when you see both sides also because you don't have to flip them all over so you can see what the units are it took a little while to understand the markings on the units right there's mm-hmm. there's different color uh, uh shapes uh, squares and triangles and then you know some of them have outlines around them that mean a certain type of unit so yes. it took us a while to, to pick up on the artwork but again tony GMT makes the best player guides. Literally, once I explained the rules to you, I said, here's the player guide. And like you said, you were good to go. You had everything you needed on that sheet. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I was ready to play. I was ready to fight a battle. And like you said, what's the next scenario? See, this is the problem. Okay. You, 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 you throw me in the deep end of the pool and I'm just, I just want to keep going. Just want to continue to go down this series. Kind of like with coin, you know, we've, we've got, um, colonial struggle. Oh, colonial struggle. Is it struggle or twilight? Oh, dang it. It's colonial. It's colonial. And we've got that one. And then see, now you got me into all these war games that I've always wanted. Picked up one on the miniature market sale. Can't wait to play it. Which one? Uh, D-Day Dice. Oh, I don't know that one. Colonial You're Twilight. Going? Yeah, so I, twilight. I have Colonial, no, colonial Twilight struggle. setting up on my basement right now. Just ready to go when you say, let's go. Okay. Mine's set up too. We need oh, to figure that out. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just need to refresh on the rules and you need to tell me, me which too. side you want to play. I need to refresh on the rules as well. So we've got command and, col- uh, command and colors done. We've got one of those games done. We've got a coin uh, system that we've played. We've got this this uh, Caesar, Rome versus Gaul. I'm not sure if it's a system or just, you know, just a, a game from them. Uh, I'm in the process. I just found out today that the next game in the Levy and Campaign system that I pre-ordered from the P500. My card has been charged, so I'll be getting uh, that game. Okay, if you have a a game where you're sitting there and moving units around on the board and doing battling, if commanding colors is on one side of like pretty easy to understand, way on the other side on the horizon is Levy and Campaign. Mm-hmm. It is a deep, deep rule set, even more so than coin games, in my opinion. I trust you. I can't wait for you to teach it to me. Ooh, it is going to be, it is a teach. Ignacy and I have played two games and we feel like, do we really understand the rules yet? And I just found out that um, Volka Runka, who's the designer of the game, is going to be doing a stream soon with the designer of Red Flags Over Paris, uh, which we got, and he's going to be teaching the game to two guys as they play. So I definitely want to check out that uh, stream and see his teach and make sure we're playing it correctly. I was watching YouTube came up, Rob Oren, you know, he's got his new st- studio and he's working hard over there. And he just opened up this one called Pacific war 
the struggle against Japan. And I saw it over at Miniature Market. Mm -hmm. I was like, man, you know, that's a $90 game. And I was looking at it. And I was like, man, that'd be so cool. And he was unboxing it. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at all the little counters. And then I go over to BGG and I said, like, I wonder if Marty would play this. 60 to 6,000 minutes. Well, excuse me, say that again. 60 Six, to 6,000? 6, <laughs> if you do this in the whole campaign. <laughs> oh, so get this. So at the, uh, I just looked it up. On the product page on GMT for every game, they have at the very bottom, one of them is a complexity and they have uh, from low to medium. This game is is spiked, peaked on the highest mark for complexity. Now, now I'm very, I'm very interested. I just said Nevsky, I thought was a very difficult game to learn. So that is the Levian campaign game. So let me go to its product page, scroll all the way to the bottom. Its complexity is medium. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> <laughs> then I can't imagine what this Pacific War would be. Oh, Holy I cow. I, can't, I think that's a GMT game as well, because, you know, Rob's all into this GMTs. It is. It is. I, I, mean, I am digging GMT. And I want to also say, too, the, since I've been posting stuff on uh, Instagram and Twitter about GMT, the historical game community is simply amazing. They are so super friendly and so nice to each other. And just, they have this one thing they all like to do and they're all supportive and they want to teach others how to play. So man, I, I am all in. I, you buy another command and colors. Uh, I'm in, I'm ready for us to sit down and learn Rome. I'm ready for us to start our long distance game of colonial twilight. I'm ready to sit down and play the ancients command and colors again, whatever, whatever uh, complexity, Pacific war pegged. Pegged. I told you it's pegged. <laughs> it's pegged. This is like, oh my goodness. That's what I got. That reminds me. I need to go over to GMT and get my um, fire in the lake order in. Oh, yeah, the P five hundred. Yeah, P five hundred fire. Yeah, fire in the lake. Another coin. But that's I, no. I want to do the Vietnam. That's I'm very interested in, in that theme. So, well, this started out as a commanding colors ancients review and ended up to a whole GMT thing. But man, it's just it's just a rabbit hole, right? Mm -hmm. it, it is. So summoning it up. Yep. Enjoyed the mess out of it. Yep. Did not mind the dice. Love the strategy, the simplicity of it. For us, this was an excellent way for us to dip our toe in the pool and then suddenly just jump into the deep end. Mm -hmm. That's what happened here for yep. me. Yep. Command and Colors Ancient by Richard Borg. Uh, again, there's a whole series. If the Ancients doesn't appeal to you, Medievals, Samurai Battle, Napoleonic, all kind of built around the same rule system. The only thing that's really different, the cards that you're going to play may have some different special events, and the units will obviously be totally different. I'm hooked. I'm hooked on everything. There hasn't been a GMT game I've played recently that is like, eh, don't care for it. Even the little simple ones like Battle Line, Medieval Battle Line, which I taught at Fun K Town, that's a cute little uh, card game by Reiner Knizia too. So, Again, Command and Colors Ancients, if you've never tried it, then this is a good game to try that system out. Or Memoir 44, which is built on the same type of system, but it's just World War, World War II theme. Instead of blocks, they have nice little uh, plastic pieces. So there you go. I'm ready for the next one. ShopPortalGames.com once again, that is shop portal, 
games.com where everybody knows your name. No, no, that's <laughs> where everybody lies. The new detective coming out. That better get here soon. The Batman version? The Batman universe. Oh, yes. That's. I expect you to have that. I expect that to be ready to go. I expect you to have batteries in your iPad or whatever so we can play it. I expect to see that on the table soon. And then, of course, we've got to get the Euros done. We're going to get Gutenberg. Gutenberg. That's the one I'm excited about. Is that the one you're excited about? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm still thinking about our games of Dreadful Circus. That was such a fun game. I had a blast playing Dreadful Circus. I love, you know, sometimes those games just catch you off guard. Oh, something just fell. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> this is the portal commercial. We don't have to worry about it. Wow. I'm sorry, Ignacy. He's like, guys, couldn't you just like redo the spot? Nope. Tony's nope. not going to do it. Nope. Not it's gonna what do it, it is. It is what it is. Nurashima Hex. They just released a smart army for the app. Be sure Wait a minute. The name it. of the army is smart or it's a smart army? Yes. Oh, okay. Got it. Don't confuse me. Okay. I'll, I'll, it's, I'll. it's easy to do. Imperial Settlers, Empires of the North. It's all there. Ignacy is constantly posting pictures of what he is working on in the office, giving you a little taste. He's teasing you with 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 his genius over there. Let and, me ask you this, Tony. Yeah. If no, wanna, this is a commercial. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes. Okay. No, I understand. So, so if I want to shop for Portal Games, where would I do that? I would go to shopportalgames.com. Huh. And, and when you do that, there's also some website exclusives that you can do. Maybe some playmats that you want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Love playmats. Some unique armies, the detective playmats. Yeah, you and me, but the Nirishima Hex playmat. I can just keep going on and on. And then, of course, his Pulsar Prize winning books, Play Smart, and Board Games That Tell Stories. Okay, I stretched the truth there. They may not have gotten a Pulitzer, but that was Pulitzer's loss. I do think it topped the New York Times bestsellers list. So be sure to head over to shopportalgames.com where you can also pick up a Stronghold Undead playmat and maybe you'll get to play that game. Maybe. like us. Right. All aboard! We got us another train game in the station and we are ready to play. That's right. We continue our journey across this great land of playing train games and this one is from Luda Nova. Yes. Called Sheen Kansen Zero Kai. Even the phonetics. I tried, man. I gave it my best. That's Japanese for bullet train. Okay. I'll go with that. You don't have to go with that. That's what that is. Is that what that is? Oh, we yes. discovered. We, you know what else I discovered in this game? What's that? The solo rules. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, so... We, we, we teased this at the beginning about the, I, I was responsible for the teach. And one of the things that I started off was this. All right. So you understand, yes, victory points are how you win, but let's talk about how you score the victory points at the end. Let's go over that first. This is the first time I think you've ever jumped to the very end like this and explained how this works before the game. And I appreciate that because you're going to tell us a little bit about how the end scoring works and it makes the explanation of how the game plays much better because I go, Oh, I want to do that because Tony has said at the very end of the game, 
this will happen. This was negative points if I don't do this, or this is positive points if I do this. So the whole theme of this is that you are in Japan and you are building the bullet train for the Olympic, uh, the Olympic venues. So that's, that's our goal in life. We're, we're trying to develop the stations and the tracks, being project managers. And that's really about how best I can bring the theme into this. No, that's fine. Yeah. You're trying to develop land. You're trying to get some tracks and on your turn, you are going to be taking some action I, uh, actions based on the event cards. The event cards tell you how many actions you're going to take. But the key here is that depending on the color of the station will determine how many victory points will be scored if a location like Tokyo has a track and a station there. Because if it has a track, you get... No points and love it. If there's a track in a station, you are going to take that and get victory points equal to how far the color of that station ended in the game. And it's either going to be six, three, or one. There's only three colors of the stations. There's a gold, black, and white. If you have a station there, but you did not get a track there and you own that and you have that city, you get minus three victory points. Those are the key concepts you've got to remember. So you're trying to make sure that their track gets to the city and get a station there so that you get victory points. And I'm, I'm going to just leave it at that because that to me was the key to the game. It was. It was the key to the game on scoring points. Mm-hmm. What I really loved was actions that you got to take. So at the very beginning of the game, all of us got, I'm just going to say the engine and caboose of the train. The okay. start. Everybody has a different engine, Correct. Yes. Everybody have di- engine has a different action. Yes. Every engine has a different action. One is for removing track. One is for adding track. One is for building a station. One is for putting one of the Olympic flame cauldrons, fl- flame cauldrons in one of the different uh, zones at the top. There's three different zones. It's like an area control at the end of the game. You'll get points based on area control. If you have most of your color, color cauldrons in there, start of the game. We just have each of those two cards. We've been given a hand of cards. Everybody must build one carriage card to add to their train, correct? You're not given those. We get to draft. We draft those. Sorry, sorry. Thank you. So I know, I know that's what you meant, but you, no, that, it is. Right. you... At the beginning of the round, there's a line of carriage cards out, which are basically cards that will go between your caboose and engine. And each of them have a color of one of those cities that, Tony, you were just referring to. Mm-hmm. And they also have an action on them. And the cost. That's right. You're going to do a draft where everybody places one of their markers on the card, and you're going to draft that card. And this is what I like, Tony. You said that that card must go to the left of your caboose. Mm-hmm. You can't change the order unless you take a special action to possibly switch an order. So that carriage card has now a new action that you can do. It might be one of those I just mentioned. Well, let's say on my turn that uh, Tony has an engine of an action I want to do. It's like, oh man, Tony's got the remove track, but it costs two to do it. Well, if I want, I can take the action of his engine, but I'm going to give him two money. And maybe my engine is I have two to lay track. After you remove it, you can lay it somewhere. If I take the action of my own engine, I pay that money to the bank. But Tony, you have the option to taking that action and give me two money. That part I kind of like because... You want to not try to use other people's engines if you could. So instead, you might try to draft cards that give the ability of maybe what somebody else's engine has, and you get to do it for free. And part of that draft is once we draft, 
whoever is closest to the start player tile, they get to decide where they're going to go in turn order on the next round. And there's only five rounds. Did you ever feel that this game was over before you could really get started? Yep. <laughs> but I thought, but you like Euro games like this. Is this really a Euro though? Yeah, it is. No, I, I love that because at the end, I was freaking out as I kept asking Tony again and again. So what does it mean if I got this card that has that's blue at the top and it matches this location? I'm just going to say Tokyo, just for an example. Mm-hmm. I've got the Tokyo card. And right now at Tokyo, I see a station and there's no track there. And Tony's like, it's minus three points. What about if there's a track there? Then it's plus whatever points that whatever station is built there at the time at the end of the game. So I'm thinking, okay, I guess I need to get a track there. But here's the thing, Tony, you could have a blue Tokyo card too, right? Mm-hmm, I can. You may decide I need to get a track there. And if you do, I also get advantage of that because I'll get the points, but you did the work. And now you get to benefit from that. And this is where I messed up because moving these stations as you're developing these your train, the stations are moving as well, which is how you get those big end victory points. So if everybody has Tokyo and you don't, and the station that's on there ends up in first, they're going to score a lot of points. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to say, well, I don't want them to score a lot of points. That was a complexity of this game where you're sitting there having to manage these stations without that. How do you advance the stations? Well, there's the engines that allow you to advance the station. There's the flame cauldrons that allow you to do this. There's also ways to just score victory points straight out the bat. There's a way to reduce the cost of the stations because every event card determines how much track will, it will cost you to build track. And so you've got to factor that into the equation. Then you also, what, what, Marty, what, what if I don't have track on my engine because I, I've never really you know, taken any? Does it matter? Another really cool thing about this game is it does not because if somebody else has removed track and put it on their engine... I can go buy that track from them. Sure, I'm giving them money, but now I get to place that track where I want to, where it probably will be at a city where I have a carriage card representing that city. That's right. Now, does it matter if your carriage cards, now these are no, these stations are in ascending order, one through 12. Mm-hmm. Does it matter if your train's carriage cards are three, eight, 11, one? Does, does that really matter? It only matters if you want to score some additional points, because if you get a sequence of cards, let's say you get four, five, six, you get three points for every sequence that you have. So three, four, five would give me three, six, nine points. But remember that that rule I said at the beginning, that when you draft a card, it goes to the left of your caboose. So you just don't get to stick it where you get it in the right order. (laughs) I'm sorry. I thought you were going to tell me to stick it somewhere. Stick it somewhere. However, however, you remember those areas at the top I said was uh, area control where you put your flame cauldron? One of the actions is if I get to place a flame cauldron, I can pick the one that gives me a special ability, which allows me to swap a card within my train. So that's where I can start getting them into an order that I want if I put my flame cauldron in that particular uh, zone. Another one gives me Money, just straight out money. And I can't remember what the other one does. It's straight out victory points if you pay money. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You can pay money to get get victory points. But again, Tony, like we said, that's an area of control because at the end, if you got more of your flame cauldrons in one of those areas, you're going to get some extra points at the end of the game. Just another way to score points. Yeah. And those flame cauldrons are based that randomly based on the cities. 
that city that's at that flame cauldron will determine what station is in its place. If there's no station at that city, then you get no points. So you're managing all that. A lot of point manipulation, a lot of point reasoning going on. If the tracks, and and this makes sense to me, you have to have tracks in order to get your sequence of cities right. Because if there's no tracks, then then how did the train get there? Ah, you know, that's one point I did not clarify. If I have three, four, five, mm-hmm. but city number three has a track, four doesn't, and five does, I haven't completed the sequence. Right. I will get nothing for that. So I, if I have a sequence three, four, and five, I better make sure that on the main board that cities three, four, and five all have tracks above them. They don't need the station just the track. And that's the little part that I had to keep up with. It's like, wait a minute for sequence stations don't matter. But if I have a card in that city and there's no station there, that's going to be minus three points. No, if there's no track, See, I got there. it wrong again. If there's no track there, then it's going mm-hmm. to be minus three points. You always want track there. You always want track to keep from getting negative points or getting your points for your sequences. It's just, if you happen to have a station there, you get bonus points. Yep, without a laid track, regardless of whether there's a station there, minus three victory points. And if you have a card that has that station there and you have it on three cards, it doesn't count one. It counts three times. So it's in your best interest to make sure that you always have that track laid. Overall, some of the negatives I've heard about this game, which I didn't encounter, was that sometimes there's analysis paralysis. People wanting to take, even though there were only two actions, it depends. We were taking. It yeah. depends on uh, the event cards at the top told you how many actions you could mm-hmm. do. Sometimes there were two, sometimes there were three actions. And at the end, there was four. We could take yep. four actions. And so those event cards also have special abilities that you could use if you needed to or end round special abilities, a lot of stuff. But analysis paralysis, I never felt like I dealt with that. I didn't mind it. I was able to get up and go get a cookie. Or I was able to go get uh, go to the restroom or get a refill. But I never felt like y'all were taking too long on your turns. And by the way, I like this too is, Tony, if you're taking your turn, they give you these nice like wooden X's to place where you're going to take your actions. Once your turn is done, you pick those X's up. So nobody's ever blocked from taking any action they want. Mm-hmm. Every time when it comes to your turn, all things are available to you. But the only cards from other people that you can use is just their engine. If they have carriage cards in play, you can't take advantage of those, only the engine cards. And a lot of the actions were repeated on the various carriage cards. So you never felt like, oh man, Marty just got the best carriage. Right. You know how that can break a game sometime? Yeah. Yes, this was a fun game. I'm glad we got on this train, rode the rails with it. I enjoyed it. I want to get it back on there because I got to do better because I sucked. I played so bad. Why is it whenever I teach a game, I lose tremendously you're spending all your time answering my question of no marty you gotta have a track there otherwise you're gonna have negative three points but tony what about there's a station there marty it doesn't matter is there a track there (laughs) (laughs) let me ask you this how do you like games with negative points like this honestly i don't mind them but i do get stressed yes because we forgot oh this was yeah, this is what stressed me out near the end of the game. If you still have flame cauldrons <laughs> and you have not placed them, those are negative. Those are negative points. Oh my. To me, it's a great equalizer. Yeah. So at the end of the game, I was trying to take every action I could to get rid of all my flame cauldrons because those were worth like minus three a piece if you had any left over. And you would want to because again, flame cauldrons can help you with area majority in one of those sections to get you additional points. I think I was the only one that got all of my flame cauldrons placed and actually helped me win the game. 
I've already said it. it. There's a lot of points to this that you've got to keep track of. And how can I mess up the other people? Or how is Marty going to help me where I don't have to waste a turn? Maybe I'll force him to take that action because he will get negative three points as well. It's a very clever game, y'all. It's one of those things after we were all done, we said, man, that is really unique. We haven't played anything like this in a while. And I don't know what makes it so unique. There are games where you play something and take an action, but there's just a lot of interesting things of the cards that I draft at the beginning of the round are actions that I'll be able to take now and in the future. Those cards that I draft could potentially give me points if I make sure to get a track and station in that same city. If I also happen to get the right sequence of numbers and all those cities have tracks, those give me points. That draft round is extremely interesting. I love draft games. So this has a lot of things that I just liked in it. So it's one of those for, for you sit there and you're stressing on everything you're doing. I don't want to say stressing. Everything matters. Everything's important. Yes. Yes. Everything every, matters. Mm-hmm. Every choice is important in that game. And when you're limited to maybe two actions this round, ooh, what do I do? Do I, do I build a track now? Do I build a station? Because the first stations that are drafted are worth more points than the ones later in the game. That first one's going to be six. But later on, that same color is going to be worth a lot less as you draft it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because where you pull it from on the board has a victory point value associated with it. So you want to build stations early. Does Marty have that city over there? If I develop that land, he's going to get that station victory point. I don't want to develop that land. I'm going to make him do it. Exactly. So we might have to do a little trash talking on this game. We might have to do a little convincing. Uh, How long did it take us to play? Learning the icons and everything, it took us two hours. They say 60 minutes on the box. People are saying, nah, you're going to have to take an hour and a half on this. 90, I think, is the right number for four people. Mm -hmm. For four people. I started playing the solo and ran out of time today. That was interesting. Robotic. It's a two player with the other person being ro- robot. I, I want to give that another try and mm. see how much, how well. I'm sure it's going to beat me just as bad. This is one of those games I mentioned at the beginning. I said, I had not heard of this game. Asthma Day said, Hey, would you be interested in this? And I said, Well, we like train games, so we'll try it. Y'all, I'm telling you, this is this is one worth checking out. It's, it's a clever game. I think it has a lot of things that I like. It has the drafting. The negative points does create this stress of, well, I've got to make sure I do this or I'm going to get negative points. You determine the actions you get to take on your turn by the cards that you draft. Uh, it's just really clever. Be sure to check it up. I'm going to try this again um, with the pronunciation Marty has in the show notes. Shinkansen? Shinkansen. Shin- Shinkansen. That's why I spelled it S-H-E-E-N. Shinkansen. Shinkansen. Mm-hmm. Bullet train. Bullet train. <laughs> well, when you go to Miniature Market, look it up. It's S-H-I-N-K-A-N-S-E-N. Tony, before we started recording, the internet is going insane. Supposedly, there was a, an official Nintendo GBA emulator leaked that may show up on Nintendo services online to where, maybe in the future, we'll be able to have access to Game Boy Advance games. So that was so long ago, I have forgotten which games I needed access to. Seriously. Game Boy Advance? This is the library that I've been wanting. It's NES is fine. SCNS, okay. Nintendo 64 has some good games. By the way, uh, Mario Kart just came out. Worth playing. The Nintendo 64 Mario Kart was really good. Mario Golf just came out on the for the... Uh, oh, it's like Mario Golf. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. We need to play Mario Golf. That was really oh. good. So we'll have to we'll have to play online sometime. But GBA is the library that I've been pumped for. And if this rumor is true, 
that's going to be exciting. It's going to make the Nintendo service online uh, worth it. So uh, all I know right now is right before I got on, somebody shared a tweet in our Discord channel saying, guys, somebody has said there is a leaked, an official GBA emulator out there that may be announced soon and support some GBA games coming in. Oh my gosh, so many good GBA games out there. So can't wait for that. I hope it's true. I'm going to trust you on this GBA Game Boy Advance. Was that, that was colored, right? Yes. Yeah. The GBA, uh, remember the SP, remember the clamshell? Yes. That's the GBA. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm, I just can't remember them all. I've had them all. Mm-hmm. I got a cat. I got to get them all. And I got them all. I got all the Game Boys. That's uh Game Boy Advance or I guess Game Boy Color is where we first played Pokemon. Okay. Yep. I had the original and my eyes couldn't, could see it then. They can't see it now. <laughs> it's getting pretty sad. So, all right. Well, I'll I'll wait for you on that. You know, our Discord channel, they are always full of good information for us. Yeah, they are. I love our Discord channel. They, they're always feeding us stuff. Like I said, they came out with our jingle earlier. They're dropping this news on us. They dropped the trailer of Thor that came out today. And you know what? As promised, we crossed 400 numbers. And our good friend, Patrick Hillier, won a $40 gift card to Miniature Market. Good for him. Look at him getting that. Oh, mm-hmm. I hope he spends it wisely. But when I was sitting over here Uh-oh. waiting on you to return, what the heck? Why is there a fitness channel? I understand a food channel. Why do I need a fitness channel? Because our resident medical professional, Julia Chung, came into our food <laughs> channel where everybody's dropping all these pictures of desserts and everything that we've had. And it's like, <laughs> Y'all, we really need a fitness channel. So I said, okay, fine. So I created one. And now she's trying to find some people who have Garmin devices to be able to share information with. So you can kind of, you know, encourage each other and stuff. So, hey, you know, if people want to talk and that's Tony, actually the first post post I put there was on colonoscopies because I thought that's the perfect place to put it. Then there we got these little toilet gifs (laughs) going on out too. I'm like, what the heck? See, we already got, um, Dan already posted this beautiful seven mile hike on the trails in Colorado, Colorado. Oh, so gorgeous. Oh, it is so gorgeous out there that, uh, see that now I'm going to be wanting that, but I did post in the food channel, my wife's coconut cake. And if you had been able to meet me for lunch today, you would have had a slice. Oh, I do like coconut cake. I am one of the few people that like coconut i don't think any of my family likes coconut see don and i love it rebecca hates it Mm -hmm. it is really a lover hate sort of thing okay and even i think in the discord channel some people said yeah take the coconut off it'd be really good (laughs) i don't know but see i also like mounds and almond joy Uh, candy bars too i don't like the dark chocolate of mounds but i love almond joys i like dark chocolate as the older i've gotten i've liked dark chocolate supposedly that's a sign of age too as you start liking the dark chocolate it's just too big. And see us talking about this food all the time. That's why we need a fitness channel. <laughs> and for the and for our uh, taste buds that we just did, drinking sugary drinks, that's why we need a fitness channel. Hey, 21,000 steps this weekend while mowing the grass and doing all the training Excellent. and everything. Excellent. I did get to do something very, very special. What's that? I was asked to do the uh, intro to the Secret Cabal. Whoa! So for those of you who missed it on um, April the 20th, the person who did that poor first time ever intro to the secret cabal while Jamie is recovering is me. You're welcome to go trash and say I did a terrible job. For you, I, don't, I just wing it. But I was under a lot of stress. 
because I needed to hit it. Uh, so did he give you a script to read? Did you do the whole intro? He gave me, yeah, he gave me the script to read and he told me where I needed to make sure that I did it at a certain pace so that I hit the crescendo during their announcement. <laughs> and I'm like, wow. And I sent him a note back. I said, Jamie, you know, I'm Southern. So it's talking fast is not a, it's not a thing for me. <laughs> so we were having fun with that. And I really do appreciate the Super Bowl letting me do that. And it was kind of fun. I mean, you told me, you said, you need to, you need to do some uh, practices and, and things like that and get, make sure there's a lot of them. So I was doing it and I did it for like six times. And then I went back and listened to it and I was clipping all over the place. I said, oh, I cannot, no. I cannot send him that. So I had to back up from the mic. Hey, if you ever do podcast, everybody, people tend to, when they want to get loud, lean into the mic. That's the opposite of what you want to do. People feel like they have to get close to get loud. No, the idea is that when you get loud, pull back. The loudness will carry because, yes, you have clipped on some of our stuff, too. So I know. So so doing it and I was uh, so I sent it over to him. and He said, thank you. I actually I think I got the timing right, but we'll see. We'll see how well it goes. But to the secret cabal, Jamie. Continue to get well, work hard. We know you're doing everything you can. We, we miss you, man. But it was an honor to do that introduction. Man, that is that is so cool. And he seems to be getting better, and it's really glad to see that they're back on the air again. So I can't wait to hear your intro and have some fun with it. Maybe somebody will make a song out of it. <laughs> Auto-tune could not do me justice. <laughs> <laughs> but what does do me justice is when I keep rolling dice. And taking names. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Make sure to follow us on Instagram, y'all, at Dyson Names. We are starting to post a lot more pictures there. We're actually starting to get some follows and everything, so we appreciate that. Follow us on Twitter, at Dyson Names. Remember, join our Discord channel. We just hit 400, but as soon as we hit that 500 mark, somebody's going to win a $50 gift card to Miniature Market. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you next episode. So when we hit a million on Discord, who's paying for that? (laughs) 